Welcome to the Knox Presbyterian Church Podcast. We're so glad that you're here. We hope this resource is a blessing to you. Let's jump in. Today I'll be reading Deuteronomy 8, verses 2 through 6. Remember the long way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness in order to humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commandments. He humbled you by letting you hunger, then feeding you with manna with which neither you nor your ancestors were acquainted, in order to make you understand that one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. The clothes on your back did not wear out, and your feet did not swell these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a parent disciplines a child, so the Lord your God disciplines you. Therefore, keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and by fearing him. This is the word of the Lord. Our second reading for this morning also comes from the book of Deuteronomy, this time the final chapter of Deuteronomy, chapter 34. Listen now for the word of the Lord. Then Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo, to the top of Pisgah, which is opposite Jericho, And the Lord showed him the whole land, Gilead as far as Dan, all Naphtali, the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah as far as the Western Sea, the Negeb and the plain, that is the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees, all the way to Zoar. The Lord said to him, this is the land of which I swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you shall not cross over there. Then Moses, servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab at the Lord's command. He was buried in a valley in the land of Moab, opposite Beth Peor, but no one knows his burial place to this day. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His sight was unimpaired, and his vigor had not abated. The Israelites wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. Then the period of mourning for Moses was ended. Joshua, son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid hands on him. And the Israelites obeyed him, doing as the Lord had commanded Moses. Never since has there arisen a prophet in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. He was unequaled for all the signs and wonders that the Lord sent him to perform in the land of Egypt against Pharaoh and all his servants and his entire land. And for all the mighty deeds and the terrifying displays of power that Moses performed in the sight of all Israel. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A scholarly work of sociology was published in 1906, examining in various community stages of life and establishing similarities between otherwise disparate cultures. The work by Arnold Van Gennep would remain known to only academics for 50 years 
until a graduate student translated it out of French and into English. You are likely familiar with the work, even if you don't realize it, as the title has since become a common phrase, rites of passage, rites of passage. And the work talks about exactly those moments in human life, rites of passage, be it surrounding birth, puberty, marriage, religious conversion, or other social, cultural, moral, political, ethical, or religious changes. Van Gennep describes three phases, more or less present, in any particular rite of passage. The preliminary, the liminal, and the post-liminal. It's that middle rite, the liminal, that is of interest to us today. The liminal is a period in which one is not home, belonging neither to the earlier stage nor to the later stage, but caught, as a later author would describe it, betwixt and between. The idea of this liminal space has since entered the popular consciousness, morphing from something academic and particular to something more like a vibe. Proof of the culture's acceptance of this idea is the existence of a subreddit dedicated to liminal spaces, an online community sharing snapshots of what is thought to be this liminal space. Rather, though, than being focused on a human moving through a rite of passage from one social, cultural, or religious state to another, that's what Van Gennep thought, liminal in this internet community and in our modern parlance highlights places, schools, malls, diners, balconies, roads, bunkers, places somehow caught in time and yet in flux, transitory yet eternal, a space heavy with memories already forgotten. Deuteronomy, meaning second law, is in its entirety a speech or sermon or series of sermons given by Moses to the Israelites at the end of 40 years of wandering as they gathered together on the plains of Moab at the edge of the promised land. Moses reminds the people of Israel of many of the events that took place after they left Horeb, reminds them of the law, the Ten Commandments, exhorts them to faithfulness before concluding with a song and a blessing for each of the 12 tribes. And after all these things are said, Moses turns from the people of God gathered together in the plains and walks up a mountain for the final time. He knows he will die. The Lord has told him this. He knows what awaits him at the top of this mountain, a view of a land he has long dreamed of but is forbidden to enter. As he climbs with energy and strength, we are told, keen eyes and a sharp mind, it is natural for us to wonder where his thoughts went, where his mind turned during this final climb. Did he rehearse 
the astonishing events of his life as his sandals kicked up the dust. Growing up in the home of Pharaoh, a Hebrew slave in the court of slaveholders. The rush of anger which led him to murder and then exile. The confusion which gave way to fear at the sight of a bush ablaze but not consumed. The wonder and the majesty of learning the name of God. His many confrontations with Pharaoh, of course, but also with God, begging and pleading time and time again for his people, for God to hold back wrath and offer mercy. Or is he reminded of the other mountain he climbs, Mount Sinai? As his muscles ache, does he remember how time and time again up and down he climbed that mountain, carrying messages from God to the people, spending 40 days at the top, only to discover to his shame and horror the failures of his people in the travesty of the golden calf. As he steps over rocks and through dry streams, does his mind wander to the long journey, 40 years to the edge of the promised land? The beauty of that newly constructed tabernacle contrasting with the oft ugliness of the people of God grumbling every step of the way. Or is he reminded of what caused this moment? The reason he climbs Mount Nebo at 120 years old. The reason that despite Israel reaching the promised land 40 years ago, only 12 have since entered that land. 12 men sent to scout the land on the instruction of the Lord, does Moses regret who was chosen? Has he made peace with their names? Twelve men who go into the land promised from the days of Abraham, the land which flowed with milk, meaning good for herding, and honey, meaning good for crops. The land Israel has set its face to since he escaped from Egypt. For 40 days, those twelve representative Leaders scouted the land, and in their return, they shared tales of the goodness of the land, yes, but also fear of the powerful tribes which occupied it. Does Moses, as he draws near to the rise of the mountainside, still hear the cry of the people upon hearing the news of these spies, that we would have died in the land of Egypt? Would it not be better for us to go back? Let's choose a captain and return. The shamefulness of those words, the unbelief, the heartbreak of discovering the people still did not know this God who Israel knows, did not trust this God who Israel, who Moses trusts, did not love this God who Moses loves. Do the words of the Lord from that day 40 years past sound in his ears? The punishment for Israel. I will do to you the very things I heard you say. Your dead bodies shall fall in this wilderness, and all of your number, 20 years and older, who complained against me, not one of you shall come into this land which I swore to settle you, except Joshua and Caleb. Does he hear the words of God to him directly? You also shall not enter here. 
Does Moses feel the sting as his lungs labor with the effort? As he comes to the final yards, the the steep rise to the top, turning around from where he came from, he sees it, the promised land. Gilead, as far as Dan, all Naphtali, the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah, as far as the western sea, the Negev and the plain, as far as Zawar. And he hears, for the final time, the voice of God. This is the land of which I swore to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob. And there he dies. Hundreds of years since Abraham was first called out of Haran. More than a century since Israel became slaves in Egypt. 120 years of Moses' own life. A generation lost to the wilderness. And there he was. Look, but do not touch. Witness the promise you yourself will not receive. I think at least in American culture, particularly the internet savvy, social media sensitive, photogenic generations that experience their lives like those liminal photos we saw, with fear and doubt about the future, about our future. I think in American culture, promises that were made to previous generations turned out to be hollow. Technology offered to save us has instead led to our ruin. In other words, there is a lack of hope. And I see that as the change to Van Gennep's paradigm. For him, that liminal space, it had an end. It had the post-liminal The liminal was not its own end, but a middle entered into and exited out of. But now, for us, the liminal, the transition, is all that there is. Or at least, that's the fear. Those photos I showed earlier, they lack hope. They're photos of the transition without having any hope for an end. There's no future in those photos. No new stage to enter into. New possibility rising out of the remains of what came before. They show a world stuck in between. I've graduated from college, but there is no job. I cut down on consumption, but the earth still warms. I've listened to my neighbor's stories. I've learned the history of our country. I've marched and I've lamented. But still, there is no social, racial, economic justice. I started up the mountain to see the promised land, but I passed a man named Sisyphus, and I'm beginning to worry. I kept thinking that Moses was caught in a liminal space. Caught in between worlds. Neither in the wilderness nor yet in the promised land. Betwixt and between. But that's only true if we understand the promised land as the place that Moses was supposed to go. 
That's only true if the top of Mount Nebo wasn't enough. God brought Moses there, after all. God showed him the promised land. I'm not sure Moses would have asked for more. And what about us as the church? Do we see ourselves as living in a liminal space? Not of earth, not yet of heaven at the edge, but not yet in and among. A place we have been promised without hunger and thirst, tears and wounds and sadness, but have not yet received. Maybe we have resigned, resigned ourselves to wait for a future promised land. Maybe we call that heaven. I feel that tug in my heart. To live faithfully, sure, but without hope for any goodness until a mighty work of God restores and renews all things. But wasn't that the cross? Wasn't the cross the mighty work of God? The resurrection of Christ from the dead? Do we now demand more? Must we too enter the promised land to be satisfied when even Moses only caught sight? No, no, dear brothers, our lives are not liminal on the threshold. No, dear sisters, we are not stuck on the edge, neither here nor there, without hope. We do not have to wait to enter that eternal promised land in order to leave the liminal. And we know this because just like God brought Moses to Mount Nebo, and that was enough, God is at work in our midst. In the Lord's Supper, as we eat and drink the body and blood of Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit who lifts us to heaven to unify us to Christ. God is at work in our midst here in the church when the hungry are fed, when the naked are clothed, when the word is read and heard and proclaimed, by God's grace, God is in our midst, even in us. When as new creation, filled with the Holy Spirit, we die to sin and live for Christ in obedience and humility, shining the light who is Christ to the world. God is not just far off waiting for us to come home. God is already, right now, in us and with us and through us, making all things new. The world is full of liminal spaces, periods of transition, flux, and change. And so, for many, the fear remains that these spaces will become never-ending in-betweens. That fear betrays a lack of hope that anything can be saved, restored, or redeemed. The fear is that tomorrow will be just like today. Political divisions will never be restored. Racial tensions will never be healed. The climate will consume us all. Homelessness, depression, and addiction have no solution. Economic inequality will persist forever. But that's not for us. This is our calling to testify and to participate 
as God brings restoration and renewal to the world today. In all these liminal moments, in all the fluctuations of life, as we experience them ourselves and walk through them with others to proclaim that God has already done the mighty work of raising Christ from the dead. And then for us to partner with God who is faithfully at work redeeming and renewing creation. Moses never entered the promised land and still found God at the top of Mount Nebo. One day, we will enter God's rest, but we don't have to wait to join in God's work. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information on how to get connected, please visit our website at knoxprez.org. That is K-N-O-X-P-R-E-S dot org. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Podcast, or Spotify.